First, we were in your community. Now, we're in your ears. Don't worry, we'll be very careful not to puncture your eardrum, we promise. This is Pager, a podcast brought to you by the West Bend Community Memorial Library. It's like stopping by to finally pick up a copy of the book you've been waiting for forever, then getting distracted and chatting with your favorite librarian. Except in podcast form, you don't have to worry about a phone call or another library user interrupting to ask how the fax machine works. Another bonus? You can pause the podcast whenever you want. This is not always the case with librarians. Thanks for stopping by, or rather, thanks for tuning in to Pager. I'm your host, Hannah, young adult services librarian who lately just can't stop watching anime. And we're coming to you, well, not live, but we're coming to you recorded from the West Bend Library Digital Creation Lab on the second floor. So if you ever want to make a podcast of your own, you know what to do. Lots of things happen in October. October is National Adopt-A-Shelter-Dog Month, so stop by and visit our friends at the Washington County Humane Society. Even if you're not in a position to adopt a shelter dog yourself, they always need volunteers and donations, and they put on lots of cool events year-round, including Reading with Rover at the library. You might wonder why anyone would bother reading aloud to a dog, since they generally don't understand a ton of English and syntax and stuff is kind of lost on them. But research conducted from the 1980s to the present indicates that reading to a pet can lower blood pressure. It also reduces anxiety, anger, and depression. It helps kids feel safe and increases children's self-esteem. So signing children up to read to a trained therapy dog creates a sense of security that they will positively associate with reading. And it's a great incentive for them to keep going on their reading journey. The dogs are a patient, non-judgmental listening ear for the kids to help them gain confidence and become better readers. Volunteers from the Washington County Humane Society visit the library with their personal pet. The volunteers in this program are registered through the Washington County Humane Society and they have certified therapy dogs. So you're safe, you're covered, they're trained, they know what we're doing. So we currently offer this program every Monday afternoon and the third Saturday of October and November this year. So if Monday afternoons don't work for you, check us out on a Saturday instead. If you'd like to register your child to read with Rover, come find the clipboard in the children's area or call the information desk. If you or someone you know has a dog they think could make an excellent reading companion, please reach out to the Washington County Humane Society. The more volunteers we have, the more kids we can sign up for this really awesome opportunity. They make sure all the dogs are trained and comfortable so they can work safely and happily with kids. So that is my plug for National Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month. October is also National Squirrel Awareness Month, so please be aware of our library squirrel, Bob. He is very elegant and hangs out in the children's nonfiction section. Hi, Bob. Thanks for guarding the squirrel books for us. So one of the main reasons we have a library podcast in the first place is to help spread the word about what the library actually does. To that end, we are joined today by librarian Emily. She's the head of circulation, which means she does a lot of things that are way over my head. Hi, Emily. (laughs) That's a great introduction. So what kinds of things do you do? It's my job to make sure that all of the frontline staff who aren't necessarily librarians are all on the same page with not only our circulation activities of checking things in and checking things (laughs) out, the very exciting picking people's old cards out of the books and gum or whatever they may leave in those books. out, but making sure that they're confident knowing what our procedures are, as well as handling any funky issues that come up. And let me tell you, we have some really fun, (laughs) funky issues that do come up in circulation, and I like to call myself the problem solver of funky issues. You are the problem solver of funky issues, and that's why you do your job and I do mine. (laughs) 
So what brings you to the podcast today? Well, there's a few things I wanted to talk about. Initially, I wanted to talk about teacher library cards because not everyone knows that the library offers teacher library cards. And actually, not all libraries offer teacher library cards. Sure. So I wanted to make sure our community is aware of how teacher library cards work at West Bend Library. A noble goal. (laughs) Thank you. So let me tell uh, the listeners out there what a teacher library card really is. It's a library card that teachers can have to use for the support of the curriculum. So even though a school may have its own library, they may not have enough copies of a specific title or they may not have the breadth of subject matter that a teacher may need. And that's an issue all libraries have, right? Mm -hmm. We have a limited amount of space. We can only choose so much for the collection. So for that reason, teachers come to us looking to fill those needs. The teacher library card does stay here at West Bend Library, and that's really because other libraries don't allow the same teacher cards. So what kinds of people can get teacher library cards, and how do they go about getting one? West Bend Library allows teacher library cards for teachers at schools within the city and town of West Bend and the non-library areas surrounding. So like Jackson, for example, doesn't have a library. At the beginning of the school year, I email all the principals asking them if they want to offer this to their teachers. So that's the first layer. If they do not respond to me, then the teachers don't get the information. But if they do respond to me and say, yeah, our teachers could really use this, they'll give them the application and they can give the application to their teachers signed and they'll bring it into the library and we'll get them set up. So it really is easy if the school's on board. If you don't know if your school is on board, go ahead and ask your principal or administrator and they'll be able to tell you. And if they can't tell you, just contact us at the library, specifically me, Emily. (laughs) That's who you're going to get directed to and I'll get the school started. Awesome. So what are the benefits of a teacher library card as opposed to just using your personal card for classroom use? Well, think about what could happen if you're a teacher and you use your personal card for classroom use. You then become liable if the books you check out become lost or damaged. So the one advantage there is the school becomes liable if the book (laughs) becomes lost or damaged. Right. Which they would be anyway if it was in their own library collection, right? Right. The other advantage is there is a limit on a personal card. The limit here at West Bend is 100 items. So that could be book items, DVD items, music CD items, children's kits, whatever it may be. So if you're a teacher and you need to maximize that 100 items, no longer do you have room for your personal reading Mm -hmm. on your card. So I'd say those are the two big reasons. Can you use teacher library cards for online resources as well? Yes. So that includes databases and we have an awesome selection of databases. West Bend folks, you're very lucky when it comes to what West Bend offers digitally compared to what some other libraries can afford because 
these online resources are really expensive. So one of my favorites is Pronunciator. It's a language learning database and it's good for all ages, really, from, from little to little at heart. <laughs> I think Gale courses would be really good. Oh, Gale courses would be fantastic. There's a lot of kind of continuing ed kind of stuff. If, you, if you're trying to brush up on your, you know, your technology skills, your language skills, any kind of general professional <laughs> skills that you might need, Gale courses has a course for that. Yeah. Or photography. Let's say you're, you, know, you want to include photography in a unit, but obviously you need to know where to start yourself before you can pass that on. Free course on Gale Courses. I love their photography class. It is, has really up my Instagram game. Do you have classes on social media? Mm -hmm. Basic technology skills, software skills? Definitely. I've done several. I've done leadership courses. Fun so stuff. where you would go to find those resources is from the library's website, not from the catalog. So you'd go to westbendlibrary.com. And from our homepage, there is an online resources tab. What is that under? It's actually I think under it's under something. library services and then okay. online resources. You just see a list of databases right underneath that. Then you can pick your favorite and go from there. Just explore some of the cool stuff that we have to offer with your personal library card or your teacher library card. And I think that's a really good segue into why libraries exist in the first place. For sure. Right. What? Why do we need them anymore? Everything's available online, right? So that's the question I think I get the most. That and uh, what does a librarian do? Do you just read all day? Yes, do we read all day? No, <laughs> we wish. We all wish. All of us wish that, however. <laughs> so back to, to why libraries are important. If you're asking me specifically, I like to say it's because we create healthy communities through information equity. But then I will get a blank stare, right? Because right. what exactly is information equity? I also went to library school, so I'm nodding along. <laughs> But the average bear is probably like, what do you mean? And the best way to explain what I mean is really dissecting who we serve. So what makes up our community? And then once you identify the who, it's the what are their needs? So a very good example that I think everyone can relate to is children, specifically pre-kindergarten. So those years zero through five where they're not in school yet, or maybe they're in preschool for part of a day. What can libraries do? for this demographic. Well, most of us know that it's those years zero through five that are critical for brain development. Mm -hmm. So not only do we provide books for parents to help them learn what activities to be doing with their pre-K children, but we also offer programs such as Storytime. I think that's the one everyone probably thinks about when they think about children programming at the library. And although those programs are really fun, for the kids, they're developing critical learning skills through the story time activities. I had some examples here, since I'm not a children's librarian. <laughs> some examples I put down are they're learning vocabulary, they're learning narrative skills, so they're able to follow a storyline sure. and make connections, mm -hmm. right? There's print motivation, so that's uh, wanting to read. Not all children, you, you know you know those kids that are like, I love to read. <laughs> yes. The things that we don't talk about are also the socialization aspect. Social so, skills are so important. Yes, they're meeting other kids their age. They're learning from the, the stop and go signs that socialization <laughs> provides. And confidence. Okay, you're, you're at one level 
but you get geeked out about a certain subject and that makes you want to continue Go. learning. Exactly. But then let's let's look at how libraries serve other parts of the population. I think people don't think about how we serve businesses. So we serve businesses in, in a number of ways. So think about the needs of a business, specifically a small business, where there's few people trying to do a lot of different things. Sure. So they have human resources needs, they have market marketing needs, they have finance, business planning, grant writing, managing healthcare, government relations. So as a small business, this can be super intimidating. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have books and online resources to help walk you through some of those processes that maybe seem tangential to your original mission of opening a coffee shop. Right. But you do need to have all of that for but, sure. Right. They're absolutely essential. So not only do we have the collection, but we have people, librarians, to help navigate those collections and find the, the best resources for their needs. Again, there's also a fabulous database for businesses called A to Z databases. Now, this singular database, I feel like the name could use some work. A it to could. Z databases. It's very, it's not, you have to guess, you have to guess what, what all is in there. Yes. Anyway, it's a free database that well, the library provides it. It's not free. We pay for it, but it's free to you to use once you get your library card. It has fabulous, comprehensive business and market profiles that will help with sales leads, developing a marketing plan, grant writing, business planning, because you know when you're asking for money from a bank, you need to have a business plan. Yeah. So you need to know the market. How's your business going to survive? Right. Plus, I think also we're a, a physical space. There aren't a lot of places that you can go in the community without having to pay for something. Like if, if you want to go meet at Starbucks, you should get a drink or you're going to feel like you have to. You don't have to feel like you need to buy anything to hang out here. Um, we have meeting rooms that are available that you can reserve in advance. We have study rooms that you can drop in and just use. Absolutely. I'm so glad be, you said that. That can be so crucial in trying to get some of these initial things off the ground for a, a business or really for anyone. Yeah, think about it. You're a freelance graphic designer. Do you want to bring strange people into your home? No. No. Mm -mm. Meet them at the library. You can have a meeting there. Little stuff like that. Plus, you're a freelance graphic designer. It's really expensive to pay for the full Adobe Creative Suite. Oh! Which we're, yeah, we have here. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the Digital Creation Lab, which is for that. We have access to Photoshop. That's the big one. Uh, but Adobe Premiere and all kinds of other Adobe products that you might use for your career. You can just check it out for free mm -hmm. as you need it. So Hannah, you are the young adult librarian. Yes. Which identifies right there the young adult population in the community that we serve. So what do we do for young adults? Well, young adults I find are increasingly busy. I was super busy as a teen and that was quite some time ago now. They're, they've just gotten more busy. They do so many things. So I try to find ways to support them in that general busyness so if they need I mean they take advantage of our study rooms for sure and just our general study space most of them don't get rooms I think maybe they're a little shy about approaching the desk some of them will absolutely come up and talk to the librarians but for the most part they're just looking for a quiet place to hang out or work on stuff either individually or as a group often just they're waiting for someone to come pick them up after school they come here those are middle schoolers for the most part high schoolers they need quiet spaces to work a lot of them have siblings home can be really busy and studying here instead can really help and it's easy to work to meet with a group there's wi-fi it's free but i also try to provide some programming that can help them step back 
and take a break. I try to keep things pretty relaxing around here and they don't have a ton of social time necessarily. They're trying to find fun things that they want to do with their friends or to make new friends because we have a big homeschooled community in West Bend and in the surrounding area and helping them find ways to socialize with not just other homeschool folks but with kids who go to public school or parochial school I think is really really important. Um, so I try to do crafts and relaxing things and show movies and do stuff that's fun in addition to obviously supplementing their educational and recreational reading needs. Which I have more experience in the educational needs of the, the teen population specifically, mm -hmm. helping them navigate databases that have scholarly research articles to support oh, sure. uh, papers that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because it's not Google, my friends. Right, yeah, we need more than Google. Yeah, not all information is freely accessible online. Mm -hmm. That is very surprising to a lot of people. Instead, they are put behind paywalls essentially by publishers. They want you to pay for the privilege to access scholarly articles. And it's that scholarly work that is important to the research process. Exactly. That's what they need. I mean, for their general information needs, but also for school. And the interface for these is, this is where I say it's not Google, is it's not always easy to find what you're looking for. And as you mentioned, we're a busy generation, so it can be frustrating the time that can be needed to find the information oh, you're actually looking absolutely. for. Absolutely. Like trying to navigate something on PubMed for the first time was so infuriating. And now I I'm way better at PubMed, but you have to know how to use your Boolean operators and all kinds of, and the strategy involved. Yeah. So if you're doing a research topic on measles, you have to think about what other words someone may substitute for measles. Or I mean, you know, any sort of communicative disease. If you're not finding results with your narrow, just little measles search for whatever your specific topic is, then you might have to broaden it out a little bit. And that's where librarians can be really, really helpful because you don't have access to your teachers 24 hours a day. Yeah. And we're here, well, since we take it in shifts, we're here longer. I've even, um, in my haste to do a, a project in undergrad, my library had closed. And so I was able to do a, a chat, an online chat, with a reference librarian in Oregon because their library was still open and got the information I needed. So librarians are great and I, you know, I am biased, but. So I'm not going to go through every single subsection of the West Bend community, but think about who your neighbors are and what their needs are. And I can almost guarantee you there is something at the library that meets their needs. So here's a few that I wrote down. People without internet. It is surprising, but about 20% of the West Bend community does not have access to the internet. It's expensive. Tutors. The library provides a safe place for tutors to meet with children after school mm -hmm. or in the summer. People looking to socialize. Think of us for your recreation needs, for your education needs, for your socialization needs. We're here for everybody in the community. Homeless. Now let me tell you a thing about being homeless. Any one of us can end up homeless. Mm -hmm. It takes a devastating illness, a fire of your home. Any kind of natural disaster. Right. You get laid off. So anybody can end up homeless. We are a safe place to go, to find resources, and to stay, like Hannah said, without having to buy anything or believe anything. We truly are a neutral place. And we can help connect you with resources that could help you get back into a, a more sheltered situation or help you find 
find a job, that kind of thing. We have a lot of stuff available even to support folks who are experiencing homelessness. Help you find food, we can help you find shelter, we can get you pointed on a path where things don't seem as extreme or scary. Yeah, so we're here We're here for everybody is my point. Mm-hmm. We're a place where other community organizations can host events mm-hmm. so that you can learn about what resources are available in have, the community. Yeah, we have community bulletin boards that you can check out if, you're, if you don't feel like asking. Some of these topics can be tough to talk about, but there is definitely... Absolutely. If you check out our bulletin board, we've got food assistance, shelter assistance on the bulletin board most of the time. Mental health assistance. Definitely. And job leads. We've got that too. Job leads. You know, let me tell you, my first came to the library. No, the second time I came around to the <laughs> library because I've... You know, people tend to go to libraries when they need them, which is kind of a, a no-duh comment, but I took breaks in between my library use. Mm-hmm. So I used the library when I was young and wanted to check out books Yeah, um, to supplement my childhood reading. Oh, yes. <laughs> I used it when I was in college. Surprisingly, I didn't use it all that much in high school other than a study area, or at least not that I can remember. Research would support that, yes. I used it when I was a research assistant, Mm -hmm. and I was in the archives, and that was just the best. That's when I started getting a little inspiration for working in libraries. And nowadays, you have to have an email address to apply for anything. Most There are so many job applications that have an online component, and if you don't have that internet access, where are you going to go? The library. Okay, so I'm off of my tangent about why libraries are important, but they're important. So what does a librarian do, Hannah? Well, we record podcasts. (laughs) Yes, Um, we record podcasts. No, most of the time, I do a lot of things, and my average day looks a lot different than yours does, I'm sure. Exactly. So there are so many different types of librarians. So what a librarian does is dependent on what type of library you work at and what your role is at that library. It's so hard to even train librarians because you get kind of a general like overview and then it's like, okay, now you're qualified to go do, you can go work with the public, you can go work with grandparents, you can work with parents, you can work with kids, you can work with, you know, new adults who don't have kids, you can work with everybody. Medical professionals. Right. Businesses. Attorneys. Attorneys, yes. There are law librarians, mm-hmm. both in an academic institution and for specific lawyer And you can, you can go work with those people, or you can. I was always a little bit envious. It's not really my type of thing, but I was always a little envious when I worked at the University of Iowa Main Library of the catalogers who got to catalog things. Hundreds, thousands of things. And they would come in, and you would kind of like say good morning, and then they would go to their cube, and you wouldn't see them again for hours. They were incredible, and just you have to be so smart to be a cataloger, and I don't know. I couldn't do it. It'd be too much me time all day. So what is a cataloger, though? Material does not magically appear in the (laughs) online database. It does not. Someone actually has to type in what is called metadata. So let's say... Data about data. Data about data. Let's say I get a book in... Someone was just talking about Michelle Obama's um, Becoming Becoming book. So we'll use that as an example. So the cataloger would have to put in the metadata about the book. So the data about the data. What is the title? Who is the author? When was it published? When was it published? Who published it? What format is it in? Because I don't want to request Michelle Obama's Becoming and expect a book and then get a CD. That would bother me. So there's a lot that you have to take, a lot that catalogers have to take into consideration 
but also not every book is just one subject. And bless <gasps> yeah. Melville Dewey, he, his system is really good if your book is about one subject and one subject specifically. But catalogers have to make a lot of decisions like, okay, so this is technically a work of fiction because it's a Shakespeare play, but for the most part, we put those in the literature section with the other plays, which is 800 and something I should know off the top of my head. Or, oh, this is a book about, what is this book about? So catalogers are just out here deciding what books are about all the time, which is incredible. <laughs> it's, it's hard and I would be trapped on every single one of those decisions. Like, oh, it's about Lego Minecraft. Um, does it go in Legos or Minecraft? Uh, I, I would struggle all the time. <laughs> Very indecisive. And I'd be like, oh, if I put it in the Lego section, the Minecraft people won't find it. Uh. Yeah, these are big decisions. Yes. So if you're a library director, your role becomes very different. No longer are you selecting the material for the collection and doing programs, although some small libraries, you know, the they director may, may be doing everything, which, wow, bless you. Yes. But here, that's more of a financial role and a coordinating role with the other departments in the city. You're planning policies, you're creating strategic plans, you're dealing with all the problems that the people under you can't manage, can't right? Handle. Yes. You're handling us, the problem right. people. You're, well, you have to. <laughs> I mean, you do. You have to make staff decisions. Yeah. You have to hire and, and that sort of thing. Training. Which, you know, my, my advice to the people who are interested in becoming a librarian is to actually go to indeed.com type in the word librarian and look at all of the positions that populate the screen read those descriptions and see what you geek out to what what catches your interest and that's a good way to start figuring out what your niche if you are wondering what a librarian does you can just look at some of those job descriptions and look at some of the qualifications what do you have to have to have so I hope that I was helpful. I think you were. Was I helpful today? I don't know. Maybe I just talked too much. <laughs> nah. But if I can, okay, so if I can end with anything, I think I want to end with this. The library is here to meet the needs of the community. Mm -hmm. And we can only do that really well if the community is involved. So that means talk to the library board representatives, mm -hmm. talk to the librarians, get involved, and we will respond. Oh yeah. That's what we're here for. We're here, we're here to do So it. much of my collection is based on community input. Someone asking me, oh, I've noticed you have this. Could you get this? Or, oh, I would really like to keep reading this series, but you only have books two and four. And I will fix that. I will get books one and three and five. If that's, it's so much easier to do our jobs when we have input from the community, because that's what we're here to do. Thanks for stopping by, Emily. I do have a couple quick questions for you. Uh-oh. Why did the skeleton go to the library? Oh, I'm so bad at these. Why? why? To bone up on its favorite subject. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and why did the mummy stay until the library closed? Tell me. He was wrapped up in a good book. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, thanks so much for coming and talking with us today, and I look forward to your next appearance on the podcast sometime in the future. Yeah, I'll be back. Yay! In honor of our dear departed intern Sam, wherever she may be, 
It is now time for a fun library fact. If you've ever been to the West Bend Library during one of our four weekly storytime sessions, you know that librarians no longer insist on perfect silence. At least, not everywhere in the building. In fact, the Tikurila Library in Vanta, Finland, has a karaoke room with thousands of songs for guests to perform. Finland is home to a lot of karaoke-loving citizens. Fortunately, all that warbling doesn't rise to the level of a disruption. The room is soundproof. And if you're looking for some library volume right here in the Midwest, you don't have to go too far. Milwaukee County Libraries host a series of library loud days, including street parties, concerts, rap battles, Mexican-style wrestling, and more. A little further south, you can find music practice rooms at the Harold Washington Library Center in Chicago, just blocks from Lake Michigan, one of my favorite libraries I've ever been to. On the eighth floor, there's six practice rooms, each have upright pianos, and there's a chamber rehearsal room with a baby grand inside. You're free to bring your own instruments, too. Here in West Bend, our private study rooms are not soundproof, but we will bring in all kinds of fun performers, throw some dance parties, and more. This has been Library Fun Facts. We're well into October now, and every Wisconsinite knows what that means. Zucchini. Leave your car window down or your porch door unlocked, and you might find your neighbors have pawned their excess squash off onto you. Never fear, the West Bend Library is here to help. We've compiled some of our favorite zucchini recipes on a recent blog post, and also shared some cookbooks you can check for more inspiration. To see what we're cooking, visit westbendlibrary.org blog, or click on the blog link on the upper right-hand corner of our website. We have lots of very cool events coming up to close out October, and one of the ones that I'm most excited about is coming up later this week. On October 18th, there's no school for the West Bend School District, so we're going to have an escape room for kiddos. If you've got an elementary age kid, you can sign them up for the 9.30, 10.30, or 11.30 time slots, and they will have to monster mash their way out of the room, solve all the puzzles to unlock the secret box, and escape. Registration is required for this program, and you can sign up at the information desk in the children's area. The Read with Rover Saturday edition is coming up on October 19th, so you can sign up your child for a time slot to Read with Rover between 9.30 and 11 a.m. The clipboard to sign up for Read with Rover is in the children's area. We're also having a symphony story time. So October 19th, join us for a story time hosted by a couple of Kettle Moraine symphony members. It's always a fun educational experience for the kiddos. On Monday, October 21st, we've got holiday oils with Betty Jo. Betty Jo comes to the library once a month to talk about essential oils and how she uses them in her everyday life. So she's got some really interesting uses for essential oils coming up on the 21st. Learn how to increase the life of your carved pumpkin, how to make lovely hostess gifts, get tips for festive gatherings. She will have the basic rules for essential oils and tell you the must-haves for the fall season. Free recipes too, so definitely stop by on the 21st for Betty Jo at 6 o'clock. One of my favorite things that we do at the library is called a memory cafe, and this happens on October 22nd this month. The theme for this month's memory cafe is sights, smells, and sounds of autumn. If you're wondering what a memory cafe is, it's a place where people with mild cognitive impairment, early-stage Alzheimer's or a related dementia can go with their care partners to socialize and have fun with other people who are going through similar things. There's no real agenda or stated purpose except to enjoy each other's company and make friends. Have a little bit of time where you don't need to focus on your diagnosis and have a great time connecting with other people as a family or creating some new friendships. So October Memory Cafe happens at 1.30 to 3 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, October 22nd. One of our super cool upcoming events deals with Outlander, the popular book series by Diana Gabaldon, which has been adapted for TV. 
Joining us today to talk a bit about Outlander is Mara, the adult nonfiction and reference librarian here at the library. Hi, Mara. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me on today. So, Outlander. I haven't read it. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes on? I sure can. Outlander is about a British 1940s nurse who goes back to Scotland with her British husband on a second honeymoon after the war ends, and she wanders through standing stones and ends up in 1740s Scotland. And then she ends up falling in love with one of the Highland soldiers, and Naturally. the book traces their relationship. And it continues on, and she, the author, Diana I'm not sure to pronounce either, <laughs> Gobbledon. She is writing her ninth book, and she said that there's going to be 10 books in the series. The ninth book is supposed to be coming out sometime soon. No one's really sure. No, I've been looking. People keep asking me. So I've seen on her website, like, 2019, yes. and I'm like, we're running out of 2019. Yes, Get yes. Get going, Diana. And then Stars picked up the rights to turn her book series into a TV show, and they are currently working on season five, which corresponds to book five, and that will be released. The Stars Season 5 will be released in February of 2020. We are going to have a local genealogist and historical novel fiction expert, Jody Allen. She's going to run our program. Cool. And she has so many fun things planned for it. She's going to have an intro, introduction, where everybody kind of gets to know each other. And then she's going to actually lead a craft to make the Druid lanterns Ooh. that appear in book one. And if you've seen the star show in one of the episodes, they dance around with these lights. So we're going to make kind of a modification using two liter bottles and battery operated lights. So cool. It's going to look really cool. After the craft, we're going to have a conversation about the books and the show because I know we have exclusive book readers we have exclusive show viewers and then we have that combined pot which I am one of one I've read the books I watched the show and then after that Jody is going to lead us in a trivia game oh to see who knows which one better the books or the show and as a special treat Jody and some of her guests are going to bring a big cutout of the two characters Claire and Jamie if people want to take photos with them that sounds fantastic so when is this all going down it is going to take place Wednesday, October 23rd. It's going to start at 6.30 and go for about two hours. So if you're planning on coming, make sure you plan to attend for the whole thing because it's going to be pretty awesome. That sounds fantastic. Anything else we should know about Outlander going in? It's a very complex story. I have to say the author has written eight completed books so far, and it spans in from the 20th century back to the 18th century. It focuses on the two main characters, Jamie and Claire, but then it also focuses also on Jamie and Claire's daughter and her husband and their children, and then all the extended characters. It, there's so many subplots to this main one, and Jamie and Claire, they get into you know so many different difficult situations and she goes back in time and comes back and goes back and it's a really complex story. Well I'm very excited that we're going to have this event at the library and thanks for coming to chat with us today. Yes and if you are a fan of Outlander keep in mind in February March uh, 2020 we're going to have a historical fiction book swap. Ooh very cool I love a book swap. Yes so keep keep your eye out for that flyer and the date on that. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mara. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Hannah. October, as we've discussed, is a month of many events. So it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October, and we've had a lot of different programs going on with that. But one of the big things that we worry about, especially folks who are getting a little bit older, is senior frauds and scams. So we're going to have the Wisconsin Interfaith in Action Network into the library to offer educational programming for seniors on frauds and scams. You learn to identify and protect yourself against things like the grandparent scam, funeral scams, sweepstakes scams, Medicaid scams, and anti-aging scams. So join Claire from Interfaith in West Bend as she shares her knowledge with local seniors. RSVP is preferred for this, so you can give Claire a call. Her number is 262-365-0902, or you can send her an email at Claire, C-L-A-R-E, at ifc4seniors.org. That's IFC as in Interfaith Caregivers. And that event will happen on Thursday, October 24th at 1 o'clock p.m. One of the things that we do every month at the library is a Crafting Saturday. October's event will be on October 26th, which, as you may have guessed, is a Saturday, and we'll be making felt coasters. We're also going to have the last week in October, our story times will be special. They'll be fall-themed, and we'll have costume parties. So we have preschool story times every week, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursday evenings at 6.30. We also have a special baby story time on Wednesdays at 9.15. So the last week in October, those will all be costume parties and we'll have little treats and allergy-free stuff to give out as well. Every Monday, we also have Needles in the Book Stack starting at 6.30 p.m. It's a free time and space where you can just come to the library and work on your fiber arts. So if you're a knitter or a crocheter or a quilter or a weaver, or a stitcher, anything like that, stop by on Monday evenings. Every Monday evening, the library is open and uh, hang out with some really cool crafty folks. Outside of the podcast, there are lots of ways to keep up with what's going on at the library. One of those is to visit us in person. The library is open Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Fridays from 9 to 6, and Saturdays 9 to 1. We're located at 630 Poplar Street, and our phone number is 262-335-5151. You can also visit our Facebook page at West Bend Community Memorial Library. You can follow our Instagram at West Bend Library, or check out our website, which is westbendlibrary.org kind of uh, hitting it hard with that particular theme. Once a month, the library sends out an email newsletter and you can contact a librarian to sign up. Scroll down to the bottom of our website and enter your email address under join our mailing list, or you can actually pick up a printed copy at the library itself. Also, if my dulcet tones once a month and the podcast aren't enough for you, you can tune into the radio. Tune into 101.3 WIBD AM 1470, stream live at WIBWestBend.com, or ask your smart speaker to play WIBD on Wednesday mornings around 745. And I'll give you the lowdown on all the upcoming library events for the week. Once again, thanks for tuning into Pager. I think your eardrums are probably intact, or if they're not, it probably wasn't my fault.